see here. There we are. That's me. Um, I worked for the government. Hello. Uh, this was an actual headline during South by Southwest this year. And make no mistake that this is really the underlying uh, kind of premise of getting up here now for the third year in a row to tell you a little bit about the, uh, what's happening on the federal level with regard to Lean Startup and all of the stuff that you're learning here this week. Um, whether it's to make a plea to you to do a tour of duty and come join one of our teams, or whether it's to, to pique your interest and think, you know, maybe my software, maybe my product could have a market in the federal government. Uh, we've got a lot of different avenues and a lot of different experiments that we're running to kind of help widen the aperture and help people explore those options. Um, but fundamentally, uh, 18F, the USDS, uh, we are here to transform government services. In order to do that, sometimes we have to uh, work with and transform some outmoded practices. Uh, but the only real lasting way to do that is to focus on culture and to just transform the, 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 the institutions and the culture around service delivery uh, in the government. Um, and that's the work. That's what we're doing. But the reason is that last line there. It's because the, the impact that we are able to have on people's lives um, is pretty incredible, whether it's an immigration project or whether it's simply helping someone get through a form 10 times quicker than they were able to before. All of your lives are hopefully going to uh, benefit from uh, the work that this incredible group of, of folks are working on. Um, this is part of our DNA. This whole thing started really in 2012 uh, when Todd Park, the former chief technology officer of the United States, and Steve Van Roekel, the former chief in, uh, information officer of the United States, got on stage at TechCrunch Disrupt and announced this new thing called the Presidential Innovation Fellowship. And Todd stood on stage and said, you know, we want you to do what you would do in the private sector, and we'll blow up the barriers in the way. They have done their damnedest to do that. Uh, we still hit our heads against some walls every once in a while. But this part of our DNA is, is really, really important. And it's what has allowed this whole ecosystem to grow and to thrive. Uh, the Presidential Innovation Fellows, 18F, and the USDS, between just those three, three teams, we've brought nearly 500 folks into the federal government over the last three years to help deliver products that you would be proud to deliver, you know, that, that, that aren't the way that we've always done things. Um, I'm Hillary. I'm the Deputy Executive Director of 18F, so I'll be focusing on 18F. Uh, it's a team inside the General Services Administration. We have about 200 people working from coast to coast. Uh, our biggest team is in DC. Uh, about 40% of the team is there, perhaps for obvious reasons. Uh, but we do have a team of 15 in Chicago, a team of 15 in New York, a team of 35 here in San Francisco, and then all those other little dots are one or two or three or four people working from home or from coffee, come from coffee shops together. And we've worked really hard to develop the, the infrastructure to allow us to be a distributed and, uh, and a kind of uh, chat-based team. But this is our higher order mission for that whole ecosystem. We're really here focusing on making government fundamentally better. Uh, right the fuck now, as, as Todd Park would say. Today is the last sentence of that mission statement for a very specific reason. Um, 
One of the projects ATNF has had the pleasure to work on for the last couple of years is with our partners at the Federal Election Commission. And I mention this one not just because it's timely, uh, but also because it's, it's, been a, it's been a wonderful partnership for us. Um, the FEC came to us and said, we have a lot of data, but no one can get to it. And it's really only third parties that come and download it and kind of munch the data. And then they do interesting things with it. We want to do interesting things with our data. And so we've been building this website, beta.fec.gov, in the open as an alpha and then the beta and we're you know, sort of continuously delivering and working in the open with our partners all along so that we can give you interesting views into the campaign finance data that they are collecting and storing um, so that you can find out where is that money going in and out. Uh, also, because we started with the API first and then sort of started building the website on top of it, uh, we're enabling sites like this. To do, uh, to, to do things and to provide views and windows into that data that are meaningful to them. And that's a really kind of fundamental piece of the way we work, about being kind of data-focused and API-focused. Uh, we also built a product called analytics.usa.gov, which allows you to uh, go to this website, see how many people are on a .gov website right now. Um, it, in addition to kind of seeing trends and, and you know, what pages are, are, uh, are popular on any given day or through any given week, it also allows us to surface some, some trends. This is the largest installation of, of uh, kind of Google Enterprise Analytics. Uh, it's on thousands of .gov websites. So we're able to see you know, across the .gov footprint that have this installed. You know, 45% of users are using Chrome. Only 60% of users are coming from a desktop. So all of the things that we've been preaching about kind of focusing on mobile, focusing on responsive design, it's not just because it helps us uh, deliver better services, but it's because it's important. It's because the American people need it in order to complete uh, the, th the information that they're trying to get and the transactions that they're trying to complete. Um, we have also invested a significant amount of time and energy into building things that basically uh, help us do our work better. Uh, one of those things is the uh, web standards that we've put together at standards.usa.gov. And this is essentially a collection of uh, user interface and design components and a framework. Uh, it's not exactly bootstrap for government, but you can kind of think of it in that frame. Um, and uh, so we've built things like the design standards. We've also built cloud.gov, which is a platform as a service. So it's kind of similar to something like Heroku. It's built on Cloud Foundry. And it means that developers you know, don't have to read the 4,000 pages of compliance anymore. They can simply push code using cloud.gov with Amazon Web Services or Azure or anything else underneath and automatically be in compliance. So we did this really as a way to make our own lives easier and better, but now being able to distribute it across, again, across the federal footprint is making an enormous impact for development teams across the government. We also do a, um, a fair bit of consulting. Uh, and primarily around acquisition, helping other agencies buy stuff. Um, and we have created really trying to bring that, that lean startup mentality also to our consulting practices and kind of the way we think about helping our partners. So we've, we've built frameworks, we've built platforms for them to do this work as well. Uh, two that I'll highlight just really fast. Um, one is uh, the Agile Blanket Purchase Agreement. And uh, this is essentially, it's a wonky government term for a pool of vendors that work like we do. So now there are 17 vendors in this pool that are helping us expand our reach 
you know, we don't, we're only a team of 200. We can't do everything, and we want to be collaborating with vendors and with the private industry. And so now there are other vendors in this pool that we can write task orders for and be really specific and, and guide them through this process of working with government partners to help them focus on being open source, modular contracting methods, breaking them up into chunks instead of expecting one vendor to, to kind of do the whole pie. Um, the other experiment that we're running is around something called micro-purchase. And uh, I put this in here specifically in case anybody's interested in, in checking it out or if you have uh, some time on your hands and you're a coder. Uh, this is, this is a, essentially kind of an auction. It's a reverse auction. It's a marketplace to go and say, I can help you write that little bit of code for $3,500 or less. $3,500 being the magic number that allows us to buy something on our government credit cards. So now we are writing really specific task orders, putting them kind of into this auction, and letting people reverse bid down. Uh, our first auction sold for a dollar. Uh, really surprised us. We didn't expect that. But as you'll see, uh, we've done uh, many different auctions. The average length has been about two days. Uh, something that's really awesome about this, and the one thing I started with, is we've registered 89 small businesses that were not previously doing business with the federal, federal government. So it's giving businesses a new way, a new lens into how they can contribute and how they can sort of be a part of this movement and, and there maybe be a, a kind of a springboard to other federal government uh, work. So this is our high, sort of high order mission uh, for 18F. Build, buy, and share. And we have five pillars that we stand on to do that. Uh, we want to lead by example. We, we, we want to kind of fundamentally be holding our hands, delivering together with our partners. Uh, we believe that focusing on the user and a relentless focus on actual people using services is the only way to transform government and that it will have a, an absolute fundamental effect on the way that you interact with your government. We're measurable and data-driven, as, as I managed, like thinking about analytics, thinking about data, thinking about trying to lay the foundation, lay the plumbing first, build an API so that it helps us and it helps other people uh, use government data. Being agile, being lean, everything that you're learning about this week. Uh, and then last but not least, being open by default. Uh, it's truly important to us. Uh, we are open source first. Uh, everything that we code is on GitHub for, you know, whether it's a, a small tool to help us kind of crunch through some data or whether it's the code that is, is powering cloud.gov. It is all open source. You can fork it. You can use it. It is the people's code. You should be able to use it. So we build trust and confidence with, the, with our partners. We want to deliver together. It is the only way to, to really kind of, so only way to do this work is to walk hand in hand, to think about the people at the end of the service, the people at the end of, you know, the, the person looking at the form, staring at the data, wondering what to do next. Um, and I have a few minutes left, and I do want to tell a, a specific story. I'm going to go over to my notes for this part. But about a year ago, um, there was someone from Code for America who was in, basically in the right place at the right time to, re, uh, to get to read a request for proposal that was in the works for a new child, a new child welfare services um, system. And um, it's, it looks pretty typical 
for government. It looked like things we'd seen before um, and possibly things that had failed before. Um, California knew it needed to invest in this new case management system. Um, so officials did what they do. They wrote an RFP. In fact, they had written seven different versions of this RFP. Um, it was 1,500 pages long, um, seeking a single vendor to deliver the entire system, the entire experience, uh, a long list of predefined requirements, um, and at a, at a cost that California was estimating around half a billion dollars. Um, I'm just going to let you stare at this slide for a minute. I don't need to read those numbers to you, but the title of this slide says it all. This system was too important to fail. Uh, the secretary of the government operations agency knew it. Uh, the secretary of California Health and Human Services knew it. And um, this was the, the perfect system in their eyes, the perfect choice for a new approach because it was too important to fail. Um, enter 18F. We, as I mentioned, uh, the, the code word inside uh, our team for a while for that type of work around consulting and helping agencies kind of rethink how they approach procurement, how they approach acquisition, how they approach buying uh, software and, and digital services, we'd been calling RFP ghostwriting. And uh, it was kind of a nascent consulting business for us, uh, where we were essentially helping agencies refactor RFPs to make them more modular, more agile, uh, user-centered and, and open source by default. Enter the uh, Federal Department of Health and Human Services, who uh, went out on, a, out on a limb and became our partner, uh, paid for 18F to help California rewrite the RFP. And we sent uh, a team to Sacramento to lead uh, kind of a multi-day workshop uh, for dozens of officials uh, across the state. And some of them, uh, probably, uh, well, some of them were very skeptical, let's put it that way. Um, and to get everybody on board with modular contracting, with all of the modern methodologies that, that I've been talking about, um, it, they were skeptical. And, um, but after two days, we got, we got sort of down to brass tacks, and we took that 1,500-page RFP and turned it into two initial 70-page RFPs. And honestly, the RFP itself was 10 pages long. Just a basic statement of work. What do you need to accomplish with this? What is the value proposition? What are we setting out to do? 10 pages. And then 60 pages of, of, of legalese uh, that sort of had to be in there. But um, you get the point. Even at, even at 70 pages, this is incredible. Um, so, you know, and the, the reason the length matters is, again, bringing more people into the ecosystem, widening the aperture a little bit. Um, it's, you know, a 70-page RFP is much easier to wade through for a team that doesn't have a specialized team focused on government services that is trained to read through these 1,500-page RFPs that are just mostly about compliance and this, that, and the other. Um, so, you know, we enabled a larger pool of vendors to submit a bid, um, which we think uh, has helped increase competition and has, is helping to improve the, the final products. Um, and improving the final product means this. means that you know, half a billion children, no, half a million, sorry, <laughs> half a billion children, um, 500,000 children, half a million children um, and at-risk kids are going to have better lives. Hundreds of millions in taxpayer dollars uh, will have been saved or avoided 
uh, at the end of the day, all because a critical mass of people in California transformed the practices, which transformed the culture, which is going to transform these services, which is going to transform people's lives. Uh, this is a quote from one of our partners there uh, who wrote to us just to say that things are indeed changing. Um, more agencies are approaching them, wanting to kind of run this same play, understand how they got this done, how do they approach it, how do they do it. Um, they've copied our Agile BPA for their own purposes. It's called the Agile Pre-Qualified Vendor Pool here in California. So things are changing. Um, and we're working with other states to do this same thing. And that's really why I'm here, and that's why I'm here standing on this stage telling this story, uh, because little by little, um, bit by bit, it leads to big change. So if you want to be a bureaucrat, or even help some bureaucrats, there's lots of opportunities to do that. This is a, a short list of some of the things we've delivered and that we're currently working on. And uh, I'll be hanging out if you'd like to chat. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, share the story.